And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. Well, how you doing, everybody? And welcome to another episode of All in One Accord. Today is a is a really special episode because... Uh, we have Nazim and I as host here today, but we have a special guest on the show, and uh, that's Kevin, a good brother of ours, who was at the Asbury Revival and is going to be giving us an awesome testimony of an experience and what he felt and just the reasons for going there in general. What made you want to go and what sparked this for you? Well, for me, it began with um, hearing it all on the news like everybody else. Uh, I first caught wind of it over social media. I think it was Facebook. And uh, this was also right around the time where the mainstream media and the Christian media were also reporting on it. And uh, I think the, the Tucker Carlson piece had come out by this time. And uh, so I looked into it because I'm just, I've studied some revival history. I understand some of the moves of God in the past 200 years and, and uh, what went right, what went wrong, and things to look for, things that mark those revivals. And uh, so I just started to pull up a live stream of it. And as I was watching the live stream of just the worship that was happening in the Hughes Auditorium where the epicenter of this, this move of God was, um, and I began to feel the power of God coming out of my phone, hmm. which I've only encountered probably a couple of times um, in my life. And it's um, for those who've never experienced the presence of God, it can it, it manifests in different ways. Some people will feel like a tremendous peace. Um, so it'll feel like a, almost like a heaviness that's resting on you, like a very comforting security blanket. It's like weighted all over your body. That's what I kind of felt coming out of my phone. And um, the presence of God is not something you can manufacture with a memory, a thought, uh, hyped emotions. Mm. It is, you can experience it in the presence of excited emotions or the absolute lack thereof. And as I just watched all these people just worshiping in one accord, one spirit, one mind, to the king of kings and i'm experiencing the presence and i knew that right away this was a genuine move of god without knowing anymore um when i decided to go i didn't go because i was there to check it out to confirm that it was a move of god i went because i knew it was a move of god and uh, i wrestled with whether or not to go because uh, i wasn't sure if it was something that i sh i should personally attend um i didn't know what the what the lord wanted me to do and and uh, I had a three-day weekend coming up with a federal holiday. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I drove down there uh, that Friday, which would have been the 11th day. I'm sorry, no. I left Saturday. Uh, Saturday would have been that 11th day of the revival. Uh, and I got down to Kentucky uh, Sunday morning. Uh, it's interesting. You said, without knowing any more, and I'm, I was just thinking, I was just wondering, Sometimes knowing a lot about something actually acts as a hindrance mm -hmm. um, to, like, if you first read a bunch of comments of what everybody thought about the, the, the move at Asbury, it actually might put a lot of obstacles in the way to actually mm -hmm. investigating it more. But mm -hmm. from the get-go, it sounds like you went to look and taste through the live feed 
for yourself and discern before you wade in on everybody's opinion about it first. You know, because so that's just something to think about when we're talking about moves of God. God's the thought or a rumor says that, hey, God's doing something over here. People are getting healed over here. Sometimes knowing less is better. Mm-hmm. Just the, the key is go with somebody, uh, you know, get prayer like you did. You got sent off before you left here to go to Kentucky, an eight-hour drive to receive prayer and, and uh, from your brothers and to, to get there to prepare the way. I forgot so, to mention that, yeah. So then that's okay. It's just, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just noticing when you just said that before I knew any more, and I'm just thinking that's probably a good thing you didn't have a bunch of everybody else's opinions in the way to create a fence you know, blocks in your own, you know, because we can be blockers to these things, but you didn't have any of that, and you are able to receive just even a taste of his presence coming out. That was pretty cool. So Making it more organic, so that yeah. way when, when you get it, there's no, because everybody has their, opi- like he said, opinions or, uh, or, or, or the naysayers about how, it's, how this shouldn't be happening, and everybody's up in arms about it, but mm-hmm. no, you went with childlike faith ready to receive because you knew you wanted God, full force and you felt that the only thing that i had known from reading the reports at the time was that the worship was 24 7 that's it that's all you need to know that was all i really knew yeah and um just i know what i know what the presence of god feels like praise god because when he shows up nothing else matters so let's dive uh deeper into that so now we're now this is uh on the saturday when you actually came to us and you were telling us about uh and you were actually it was really cool because I didn't think we were, I was going to see you before you left, but we got to pray with you and just like come together in accord, knowing that this is something that we that a brother needs to do to go receive. So you came, we gave you, uh, we anointed you, we prayed with you, we prayed for a while, probably about an hour and a half. Um, yeah, I was I was a little rushed to get on the road. I know because <laughs> I had a long drive ahead of me. But we were contending for a lot of things. You guys were really excited about Lily getting saved. And I was her friend. Did her friend get cousin. saved by that point? Yeah, her cousin. cousin. Yep. Yep. She got saved as we were outside praying. And Lily was leading her to the Lord. Reading the gospel according to John to her from from 8 all the way to the end. While we were outside praying and worshiping and lifting things up to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Lifting up the trip to Asbury. Come back in and... Nat's ready to be uh, ready to receive Christ and then well. be baptized. So yeah, these are ten year olds. By the way, ten year olds. It was awesome. It was yeah. one of the most potent, pure come to Jesus I've seen in eighteen years. It was awesome. And, so and she got baptized in the bathtub. Yep, uh, exactly. Lily did. Yeah, and then Nat, because uh, they were already going to the public pool that day. The Lord said, "Let Lily go with her grandma, my mom." And baptize her there at the pool publicly. Well, so that that happened as yeah, well the same this, day. This so. comes That's, back to the importance of how we need to baptize them quickly after they get saved and not drag it out weeks, months later. The yeah. context is cool. This God is moving. When he moves somewhere, it affects, it ripples out. Exactly. Everywhere. And, and so, it's, yeah. it's, it's difficult to really condense everything that's happened in you know a 30-minute podcast because so many things were happening simultaneously. Asbury, how it rippled out and how it touched us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was what you said as soon as you opened the door, Nazim, was that it's, this is because of what's happening in Asbury. He just knew. Because. So basically, just to, real quick for the audience members, just to give them a, a little sneak preview of what actually happened. I'm not, I'm not going to get into too much detail because we're actually going to have her 
on the show, and we can make this episode a little bit longer. That's not a big deal. Um, there is a, a, a little girl. Her name is Lily, and she's 10 years old, and she actually was curious about, you know, she was reading some cursive that was being transcribed from Scripture by Nazim, was curious about it. Nazim actually had a uh, separate um, booklet, which was the entire Gospel of John, and brought it for her to read, to which she actually took it, read it out loud from be- from beginning to end. She couldn't put it down. And the next morning, she wanted to be saved. Right. So and so and and this happened the the night before Kevin you came to right. us to get prayer to go out to Asbury. This is just and it was I in no doubt in my mind this is a splash from the revival absolutely. I was so excited to see it which was why I knew that some of us needed to I wanted to go to Asbury also, but some of us needed to be here and some of us need to go. Right. There was stuff I needed to do that weekend and back we can cover that on another episode as well. But just, I just feel like if we're gonna condense this and say, "Hey guys, what's the point?" You know, a point. The point for me of if hearing a testimony about an outpouring in our time. Yeah. Kevin has a value system in place. The reason why he even thought to look into it and to go is because, like he said, he has Whoa. read about revivals. He's given honor to that in the past. What God has done. So it, it equipped him to be ready for when the outpouring happens. Great so job. for somebody listening, when you hear the testimony, one thing that we, you know, you want to be able to take apart, uh, take away from is one, it it develops a value for the for outpourings of God to look for them, listen for them, and ask for them. A lot of times, talking about this stuff creates a hunger. Mm-hmm. Like, well, and it's supposed to. It's good. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness; they will be filled. So that's. In a gist, him talking about it is is what something like this can do when you're just listening to the testimonies of this most recent country outpouring. Uh, by the way, I think this is the third time it's happened at Asbury College in Kentucky. I know mm-hmm. 1970 was the first one. I last year watched a documentary. My friend sent me this. Uh, I'm not sure about the second one, but this is another one. So anyways, let it stir hunger and just equip you to be ready to know what to listen and look for when something so, comes. And yeah, so now, and now that being said, so let's say, okay, so we are at this house. We give you prayer. We send you on your way. And mm-hmm. actually, while, you're, while you go, you, you counter pretty cool things on the way there, things you've been seeing in the clouds, really cool things that you, see, that you think God is doing. So let's talk about your journey there. Yeah, an eight-hour drive. What did that look like? Yeah. Uh, it was very uneventful. There was... Um, you said uneventful or eventful? Yeah, uneventful. Oh, okay. there, was no okay. <laughs> there, were, there was no traffic at all going all the way. Oh, there. okay. It was I got eight you. and a half hours. But as I was just a clear skies aside just from a few wispy clouds. But I just, I don't know. As I was just looking at the clouds driving down there, I just noticed that there was a lot more uh, curves and swirls in the clouds. I'm not used to seeing that kind of, kind of heavenly art, so to speak. Hmm. Um, and I just thought, what, what is... Like I wonder what it, what this is about. I've never seen these the, move, the clouds kind of move this way before. And then even though it's clear blue sky, aside from extremely high altitude thin clouds, I don't know the proper term for these clouds. I think they're like mostly ice crystals, not water vapor. Um, but I was seeing rainbows in the clouds. Wow. And there's no rain anywhere. There's not a gray cloud in sight. Wow. Um, so I was like, yeah, this is this is going to be special. Whoa. Ooh, I'm getting a little bit of a glory right there. That's actually really cool. So anyway, so I get down there, <laughs> and um, I get about 30 minutes outside of 
Wilmore, which is the name of the town where Asbury is. So when we say Asbury, Asbury is not a town. It's actually the name of the college. Yeah. Uh, there's Asbury College, and then directly across the street is Asbury University. I'm sorry, Asbury uh, Theological. They used to be one entity. They kind of split, but they're still very closely tied together. Um, anyway, so I call my pastor, and I'm about 20 to 30 miles outside of Wilmore, and I said, uh, what you doing? He says, oh, I'm just here relaxing because this is Saturday night. He's preaching the next morning. And and I said, well, so I'm sorry to bug you, but I'm, uh, I'm about 30 minutes away from Asbury. And he suddenly was like, what? Because <laughs> he didn't know I was going. And uh, it wasn't exactly planned on my end either. And he says, he just said, Cav, he says, if you're going to get a hotel, you can't get it down there. He says, that's a town of about 6,000 people. And he said, there's tens of thousands that are showing up. He said, you need, you need to go elsewhere to find a hotel. He says, where are you at? I said, well, I'm in Lexington. He said, all right, that's a good shot. He said, that's the last bastion of civilization before you get there. <laughs> Which I think was a bit of an overstatement because it was, I was never <laughs> deep in the country from that point on. It was all pretty, yeah. well, pretty well developed. But uh, the first two hotels I went to were sold out. The third hotel, um, I was able to get a place at. But to, uh, to go back a tab, when I went to Red Roof Inn, which was the second place to try and get a room, uh, when I called them five minutes earlier, they told me they had a room. So I arrived, and I'm in a lobby full of people, and they're all talking about Asbury. Uh, there was a, even a Canadian guy who drove all the way down from Canada to, to Asbury. And everyone was just really, really excited. And then I get to the... I'm next in line. He said, oh, sorry, we're out of room. So, well, shucks. So I had to go find a third third room. Stayed the night, and uh, I made sure I got plenty of sleep because I figured I was going to be there all day. And then I got up the next morning. This would have been Sunday morning, uh, and went to Asbury College. And it was about 9 a.m., and the line to get in was probably about half a mile to three-quarters of a mile long at this point. And the doors don't open till 1 so Lord knows how long some of these people have been standing out there. And uh, when I arrived, I just want to describe a little bit how it looked on sure. the outside. There's There's been a lot of live streams, you know, photos and news talking about what's going outside. But let me just, from my perspective, from what I saw, there were, um, it was very, very peaceful. Um, I never saw any shenanigans going on. Um, I think some people are worried about the crowds, like the police were there, obviously, but I, there was never an argument. There was never people yelling except in worship. Right. Um, it was wonderful. It was very orderly. Um, Salvation Army was there. Uh, they were there. It was their disaster relief trucks, actually. They had several of them, and they were giving free water and uh, coffee out to everybody. And uh, towards lunchtime, they actually bought hundreds, and I mean hundreds, of, of Little Caesars pizzas. And they, wow, were just hand, and they were just handing them out to everybody for free. The, the hospitality that was shown by the university to the thousands of people that showed up to their college, I know, um, unexpected, just out of the blue, all over, people from all over the world, really, was just extraordinary. Um, this, the, you know, I've told this story many times, and I find myself at a loss of words right now. The extraordinary hospitality, the the humbling of the staff that are there. There are people with doctorate's degrees walking around, no tags, no labels, no badges, no lanyards, just serving, picking up trash, not drawing any attention to themselves. To them, this was all about wow. the students. Praise God. This was all about the students. They knew that this, this outpouring of God began with the students. It was about the students. Praise it's God. about Gen Praise Z. God. 
and they got out of the way and they humbled themselves and now they're serving these kids because they want to run alongside this this move of God and not hinder it mm. and which is something that is a um, has been done wrong in past uh, revivals. People try to co-opt it and take over it, make it about them. And no, that's not how this started. This started with the kids. And they recognized this. And what I just saw was a, a piece of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. I forget the verse offhand. You probably know it, Nazim, about the, the valleys uh, are raised and the mountains are flattened. Yeah, there's a, uh, it's referring to the ministry of John the Baptist, I think, Luke 4. Or, yeah, Luke 3. Yeah, yeah uh, the rich become humiliated and the poor are exalted. It's just, oh, that's that's Mary uh, in Luke 1. Uh, she, it's yeah. also, and James, also James 1, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just saw that in action um, everywhere I went. And I think even most of the staff, when they came out on stage, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, when they came out to the stage to have brief intermissions with the worship just to address the people, make some... Um, housekeeping roles and whatnot, most of them didn't identify themselves beyond their first name. They wouldn't even say most of the time what their title was, what their role was. Um, the one guy who uh, I, I felt like was in charge, uh, and it turned out he was, I found out who he was after I got back home. He was the president of Asbury University. His name's Kevin Brown, I think it was. But, uh, but anyway, coming back to the line, um, there were so many people there from every denomination that I that you can find Methodists, Baptists, Catholics. I, I was in line with an Amish guy. First time I had a, a an in-depth conversation with someone uh, from the Amish community. And this is when I learned that there's actually different sects within uh, the Amish, particularly the, these allow them to have cars, mm. which is like unheard of to me. And I'm like, Amish guy in a car? Come on, like this is, this is fun. Mm -hmm. And he knew just a little bit about computers and it was honestly kind of adorable. I have an IT background. It was really kind of adorable listening to him <laughs> talk about computers in such a childlike way. He, he knows just enough to have a conversation about it, but nowhere near enough to understand how it actually works. And it was just a lot of fun. And I just kind of kept my mouth shut. I kind of giggled a little bit like, this is adorable, you know. But, uh, but uh, he, was a, he was a supremely, supremely nice guy. Uh, told us some great God stories of um, just some wonderful things the Lord had done in uh, the ministries that he's involved in. And, and uh, I don't want to get too off topic with it, but uh, they've seen like STDs get healed. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a marriage reconciliation center. Uh, actually, you know, I'll just talk about this very briefly. Uh, he told us about how there was a, a couple that came into their center. And I, I don't remember the name of the center for the life of me. All I know is in West Virginia. And... The husband was uh, cheating on his wife like many times over. And she just walked up to him one day and she did not believe in divorce. And she just told him, she said, I know what you're doing. Um, I'm going to, I'm leaving, I'm walking away. I'm not going to talk to you for two years and you need to get your, you need to get your act straight. And apparently that just cut this guy to the core. And he went into this uh, center because one of the ways she found out it was going on is because she had STD and she was faithful. And uh, the guy said that Lord did a tremendous miracle in this guy's heart over the course of eight months. And he completely repented and they got back together. And uh, she, of course, she there was some work that she went through, not because she had wronged him, but just because when you get betrayed like this, it's it, it can embitter your own heart. It hurts you, it traumatizes you. Um, 
and she had to for, go through forgiveness and whatnot. And and one day she went in to get tested, and she tested completely clean from the STD. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. She had taken no medication for it. The Lord just completely Amen. healed her. Amen. So their marriage was healed, and, and their bodies were healed. Praise so God. just praise God. That's awesome, dude. Um, praise God. So anyway, so we're in the line, um, and I'd only been there for a short time, and I saw a girl, uh, one of the students, just walking along the line and just reading from this Bible. And uh, I recognized her. I'm like, I think I saw this girl on one of the live streams. I don't know what her name was, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's, that's one of them. And she, when she got within earshot of me, I could tell that she was reading from, and I think I got it down here. Was it Romans? Yeah, by the time she got within earshot of me, she was reading from Romans 8.14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And I began to feel the power of God emanating from her like a beacon. As it's hard to paint this picture with words, but she's in front of me at first, and I can feel it hitting me from in front. And as she's passing me on the right, I feel the glory of God hitting me from the right like a flashlight. And as she moves further back behind me, I'm feeling the glory of God hit me from behind. It was all centered on her. It was like she was just like a lighthouse. Wow. Wow. In the darkness, walking by. It was it was awesome. <clears throat> I felt that. And I was like, oh, this is going to be good, man. This is gonna wow. Be good. I'm getting like, whoo, I'm getting a little. Like, this is going to be good. Um and I wasn't able to get in for another seven hours. This is just me standing in line, yeah. half a mile plus long. Anyway. Praise God. Um, so as the hours went on and eventually they opened doors around one, uh, they had these big, son, uh, big monitors outside. I don't know the proper name for these kinds of screens. You could see these kind of screens at like concerts, but they had these big speakers outside so that those who are outside can partake in the worship that's happening inside Hughes Auditorium. And there were probably, uh, if I had to put a number on it, maybe a thousand people that weren't even in the line, just standing around the monitor, arms raised, worshiping, just singing to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it was just such a beautiful, sweet sound. And just the very atmosphere and the place was just so sweet. Um, when I got to be about 100 to 150 feet away from the building as the line progressed, this was probably by, by 3 to 3.30 in the afternoon, I began to feel the fire of God emanating from the building, from the entire building. If you've never experienced the fire of God, the best way that I can describe it to you is it is the cleanest, purest thing that you can experience. This is not heat from the sun because the sun shines on you. The sun doesn't shine through you. The fire of God goes through you. I'm wearing all these extra layers of clothes because it's cold and it's windy, and it's going through me. It's going through my windbreaker. It's going through my clothes, out through the front and out my back. And I'm just staring at the building, and I'm like, I want to be in there. Mm. I know this is real. I knew it was real before I even left, but I just knew I want to be in that building. I want to be where this is. Um, I finally got inside at about four o'clock. They sat us down in the rear center balcony. I was in the very back row and they, uh, and they told us, you know, eventually they tell us like, Hey, you want to cycle out after a while, make some room. 
because there's six other overflow buildings and I didn't mention them, but there's lines going outside all these six overflow buildings across the street, including a chapel whose name that I can't recall offhand, but they had live streaming stuff set up inside so, the people, so those people could see what's going on and they could partake. Um, but this place was packed. We were shoulder to shoulder up in these balconies. And uh, when I arrived, they were just finishing a cycle of worship. And I'm just gonna describe very briefly how the actual schedule that these kind of guys were following. I call it a schedule even though this is really planned, but it's just kind of like a cycle of worship. The, the kids would worship for about an hour. They had a student choir up, I'd say somewhere between 20 and 30 of them. They had two students on acoustic guitars and then one student on a grand, uh, like a concert grand piano. And they would just break out in the song and they're singing a song and they would weave in and out of playing music and singing to going a cappella. And they did this very fluidly. They would just all stop playing together and everyone's singing a cappella, which means without instrumentation and music, it's just our voices. And then they'll start playing and they're just weaving in and out, in and out. It was just really, really lovely. And they would do this for an hour, unbroken. Um, they wouldn't even stop between songs. Um, they would just, as soon as they finished the final lyric to a song, they're, they're already singing the, the first line to the next one. Just unbroken. How they do that, I don't know. Uh, I didn't see sheet music lying around anywhere. Maybe it was there, maybe it wasn't. I wasn't paying attention for it, but I don't. it was just awesome how they were just communicating that as from a musician standpoint. Um, they would do it for an hour, and then they had, someone would come out, a faculty member, just do some brief housekeeping rules because people are constantly cycling in and out. Um, and uh, they would do one of two things at that point. They would either have students come up and give testimony about what God has done, or they'll come up and they'll read uh, Bible <laughs> verses, like four to five verses that they felt like the Spirit of God was illuminating. And then after they're done that, they would go right back into another hour of worship. And after the second hour, the students would rotate out. They'd have a brief five, ten minute break. The musicians would come off stage. The choir would get off stage. And then fresh students would go up to the choir. And fresh musicians would come up and take up the instruments. And then this whole thing would begin over again. So the students would worship for two hours. And then they would cycle them out just to keep them fresh. And this is just, this is just how it was. This is as simple as far as a schedule goes. That is how it was. Um, to my best of my knowledge throughout this entire revival. From what I saw when I was there, that was all it was. Uh, back to how what happened when I got there. I, as soon as I sat down uh, in the chair, I the fire of God was so strong in that building. I, I have been in some really powerful meetings. I've been, I've been in conferences where mass number of people were healed by the power of the Lord. And this reminded me of it, but I dare say this might have been the hottest that I've ever experienced this. Some people, they might sweat profusely when they experience this. Uh, I did not. I didn't sweat at all. Um, it's kind of funny. It's, I'm, I'm in peace, but I'm roasting in the Lord at the same time. And it's just such a glorious feeling. Um, so I arrived just as they finished uh, singing a cycle of worship and they came out and they did some housekeeping rules and they told us, hey, if, you, if you're a worship jumper, please do not jump up in the balcony. This is a hundred year old building and we don't want to kill everybody under you. So please come down to the first level if you want to worship jump. Thank you. Um, the lower level was reserved primarily for the students. Uh, this actually reminds me. They had two lines getting into this place. Uh, there was one line for the public, which is what I was in. And then they had another line for 25 and under. 
they were given the highest of priority. They okay. wanted the young people to, to have first dibs on everything because this was all about them. And uh, so that's why the whole, mostly the first level was all, was all students. Um, and then after they were done, uh, he says, all right, we're going to have some students come out and get testimony. And then several students came up. And that's where we're going to pick up on part two. Let's just yep. close this out, and then we're going to start with testimony stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much, and just make sure you, you catch up on uh, Asbury Revival Part 2. Thank you so much. Cheers.